Well, I think we all knew that Sonny Gray was leaving. I think most of us knew he was going to end up with St. Louis. It was such a logical development, and now it has happened. Kenta Maeda, you know, I think we figured he was moving on. Um, interesting that he's going to stay in the division with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, we have some baseball news at large going on. We have the St. Louis Cardinals rebuilding basically with former Twins pitchers, uh, three of them. Three older pitchers. It's going to be fascinating to see if that. And today's episode of Chin Music with Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, and Jim Suhan is going to include one of Roy's uh, music stories. He's told you before about basically uh, being on honeymoon, running into Paul McCartney, and hanging out with Paul McCartney. We'll retell that story at some point. Uh, he has a story about another musical figure that we'll, we will feature later in this show. This is Chin Music. This is our, our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. We are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Thanks to All Energy Solar, AllEnergySolar.com, and Aquarius Home Services. Uh, thanks also to Glicks, who's going to host my band Saturday night. Uh, we're going to celebrate Don Mitchell's birthday, the great uh, start to Peter photographer Jerry Holt's birthday. We're going to start about 9.30 and play all night. It's going to be a blast. We love playing at Glicks, so come by if you get a chance. All right, let's start here. Uh, so I was told. Basically, right at the end of the playoffs, Sonny Gray was going to sign with the Cardinals. Uh, it's driving distance from his home in Tennessee. Cardinals have talent. They're coming off a bad year. They desperately need starting pitching. It made all the sense in the world he was going to sign there. He ends up signing for three years, $75 million on a deal that could go to four years and $100 million. Uh, let's start with you, Roy. Uh, what do you think of this move for Sonny and uh, any sadness that he's leaving the Twins? I'm extremely happy for Sonny. He pitched his ass off uh, this year and deserves finishing out his career with a um, with a with a great uh, contract. I'm very sad for myself and all of us. Uh, I love watching him pitch. I absolutely I love being the uh, analyst on some of the games when uh, he was pitching. Uh, he was a joy to watch, uh, move the ball around, spin it the way he did. Uh, confound hitters the way he did with uh, essentially four or five different pitches because of the different trajectories and speeds. Uh, I just I loved watching him pitch, and I and you know I'm sorry for the for the Twins club that they had to let him go because they did. I I totally agree with you know not paying him potentially 100 million dollars over as a 34 year old you know in the next three or four years. So all of those things. Lavelle, man, yeah, I. It's good, great for Sonny. It stinks for the Twins um, because uh, he's in a he is the uh, byproduct of a lot of work that uh, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine did to try to get this the rotation up to uh, an, accept, an acceptable level, and uh, he did that to the tune of a, of a five point two WAR season from a starting pitcher. That's awesome. Um, getting Cy Young votes. Uh, just being heralded, only giving up like giving up less than ten homers in the season. I mean, it was just an impressive year with him, and it was fun watching him pitch because I think even when he threw a ball, it was thrown with conviction. I think he there was a purpose behind every pitch he threw, always around the plate, um, out of the same plane. Pitchers, pitchers, had, I mean, hitters had to you know see a, the ball out of one arm slot, and it could break like three or four different ways. I just think he was at the height of his powers this past year. In terms of uh, commanding the art of pitching, and it was it was it was fun to watch. Um, but yeah, the Twins weren't going to pay him twenty five million dollars, 
And so he moves in the same thing. St. Louis is a good place for him. I thought Minnesota was a good spot for him. I thought New York was a terrible spot for him. So I think uh, um, he's put himself in a good position where uh, he's an area region that he's comfortable in and uh, a team that's trying to bounce back. He's got some other guys he probably recognizes in that rotation with him. So uh, best of luck in the future to Sonny Gray, who uh, did what the Twins needed him to do during his time here. Yeah, I, I agree with Roy. He was just a lot of fun to watch pitch. It's a shame they didn't give him more run support this year, so he could have had a better a win-loss total reflecting his excellence this year. But it's still, uh, if he was a good teammate, he was a good guy to have around. He and Pablo really kind of led all the pitching conversations in that uh, locker room. They will miss him, but we all knew he was gone, so you know that's where we are. Also, breaking news, uh, looks like the Reds are closing in or have finalized a two-year deal with Emilio Pagan who uh, really pitched great last year. I mean, you know, there's no way around it. I mean, he, he had a, he had a bad moment in Boston early in the season. He had a couple of bad outings, but his the bulk of his work, he was one of their best pitchers last year. Lavelle? Um, I'm a big Pagan de- defender. I thought there was value in how he pitched and what he had in his arsenal and um, how he could best shape the team. You know, he bought him out. He bought him out uh, in that game in, in uh, L.A. against the Dodgers when he gave up the Grand Slam. But I think he righted the ship pretty well after that. And he actually became a guy who they needed a, a few times in some leverage situations uh, when guys, you know, broke down or couldn't answer the bell during the second half. I thought he was an effective guy. And when you match him up against right-handers, he's got the advantage. So I actually was hoping that the Twins would figure out a way to bring him back. I thought they could bring him back you know, for a reasonable rate, but uh, he's moved on to uh, to the Reds. I'm really enjoying this uh, exchange program that the Reds and the Twins are in, in the middle of right now. <laughs> you know, we've got Sonny Gray, Tyler Molly, uh, Kyle Farmer, and they've got um, Chase Petty. Uh, we passed up Hunter Green, so they got him, and now they're getting Emilio Pagan. It's pretty funny to see uh, how these transactions are kind of falling apart. But, you know, best of luck to Emilio. Too bad he couldn't uh, stay in Minnesota. Yeah, I, you know, I, I echo everything. I mean, I, that yeah, you just said, Lavelle. I, uh, I was, I've been a supporter of his as well, and, and as you all know, and and uh, even, even through the really bad times, I was thinking. I mean, this stuff has got to work at some point in time. He's just got to figure out uh, pitch selection and location a little bit better. And what ha- what changed was he realized he threw ninety seven, sometimes ninety eight, and guys can't hit it up in the zone. He kept he started throwing fastballs up in the zone. And it turned him around. It absolutely turned him around. He was going to get beat on fastballs down the middle just like just like anybody else. And he was going to get beat in tough situations occasionally just like any other reliever, uh, virtually any other reliever. And, Lavelle, you're absolutely right. I mean, not only was he serviceable, you know, in the sixth and seventh inning, but the Twins needed him desperately in some of the eighth and ninth inning spots, and he and he pitched well. So good for him. I'd like to, I wish we, the Twins still had him, but good for him. I also think that Emilio Pagan is a reminder of two things that are true in the world of baseball, if not all professional sports, but it seems to be more pertinent to baseball where you just have to play every day, no matter how you feel, no matter what's going on. Uh, Number one is it's really easy to write players off, but man, don't give up on talent. Talent might figure it out and you want to be around when when talent figures it out. And he had talent. The other thing is power positive thinking. He did not get, overly down on himself, uh, at least not for more than 12, 24 hours after a bad outing. 
And that allowed him to keep his head in the game and give himself a chance to bounce back. And Roy, you were a player. You had to deal with that. You played every day. That's that's the hardest part of the, about the game, right? Isn't it dealing with failure and bouncing right back? It's the hardest part of the game. There's so much failure in baseball as, you know, individual failure day in, day out, you know, not catching it or not hitting it and or not throwing the ball, pitching the ball where you want to pitch it. Um, and so, yes, that and, and I, I'm really glad you brought that up because one of the best things he did was exactly what you said. He did not get down. He just kept grinding. And if I'm Emilio Pagan, it might be one of my proudest seasons ever. I mean, I'm, and I'm proud of the guy. I mean, he just he just kept going out there. The Twins had to use him, even when it, it looked like Rocco didn't <laughs> desperately didn't want to use him. And he he not only righted the ship, he pitched really, really well. So I, I, I'm really proud of that baseball mental performance by Emilio. And Lavelle was going to Lavelle. I was going to say, he finished with 299 ERA. That shows yeah, you how much better he You can't he fake that. How much he improved as the season went along. Because when a reliever gives it up a couple of times, he really can skew his numbers. You know, you spend like a month trying to recover from one outing. And um, Pagan, um, you know, excelled so much down the stretch that, he, you know, he ended up having a really, really uh, impressive ERA by the end of the year, man. So, yeah. And I know in his past, he has. There's like a mentor from his past that taught him the value of being able to shake off bad outings and how to um, uh, think positively and and approach uh, outings regardless of what happened in the previous uh, appearance. So, um, you know, more power to him and, you know, he'll help. He'll help the Reds. Yeah. And uh, let's go back to something else. You know, Lavelle's talking about all the exchanges between the Reds and the Twins, which is absolutely true. Uh, now the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, in the last week or so, have signed Lance Lynn, believe it or not, former twin, briefly, and Kyle Gibson and Sonny Gray. Uh, it's kind of funny to see St. Louis going for it by signing former twins pitchers. Well, you know, <laughs> in two years two years from now, they're going to have to do it all over again. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You know, though, uh, Lance Lynn broke in with the Reds, if I mean, with the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken. I think that was his first squad. Um, yeah. Guys pitched for yep, a lot of teams. It was. Yep. yep. And then two, Kyle Gibson pitched for the University of Missouri. So this is like a homecoming for him. You know, and as you point out, Gray's in the in the area too. So it's like they're, you know, they're kind of closing their borders here with the past and present uh uh pitchers here. So uh, I'm curious to see how this works because I believe the average age of that rotation is like 34 years old now. And so um they better have some guys ready to step in when guys break down or need to need to take a break here. Uh, because this that's that the way it's set up, they're going to need some other guys to to contribute. <laughs> I could just, I could, I could just hear uh, someone. At, well, a, a very specific someone, Pat Royce, saying, "Yeah, here Missouri has a really great senior home living right <laughs> <laughs> Yep, that would be Royce. That definitely would be Royce. <laughs> Well, by the way, uh, we just recorded uh, preps today with John Malay earlier, our prep show at TalkNorth.com. And uh, John Malay was saying that, uh, you know, he's known Royce since he was working in Arizona. And the first time he ever met Royce, he was coming through the Arizona Republic newsroom to visit a friend of theirs and said, yeah, I just landed. I went out and bought two cases of Diet Coke. That might hold me for the week. Uh, and then Jen John told me, Patrick was covering the prep bowl last year, last week with John Millay. And 
John Malay got him to try a diet Mountain Dew. I don't know if brand ambassadorship will ever be the same. Wow. I'm amazed <laughs> at that. As someone who stayed with Patrick Royce during spring training knows his uh, love of Cokes, Diet Cokes. And you also know he has a preference for the twist off caps. So somehow, you know, you walk through the, the spring training home and they're, the caps are, are all they're over the everywhere. place. Counters, tables, <laughs> chairs, but there's no bottles. And you're like, where's the, where's the bottle that goes with this cap? You know, so you're constantly picking up caps every day at the house. <laughs> and my other memory of staying with Patrick Royce in spring training is he didn't always completely robe himself. Oh, Jim, uh, you know, I, I've suffered a tore retina in my past, and I think it may have been from the image of Royce <laughs> uh, going to the, the the washer during spring training. I'm sitting in the living room watching TV, and the washer's down the hallway, and Royce decides he's going to actually take off the clothes he's wearing to put in the washing machine. So I just happened to look to my right <laughs> and, and see a side view of uh, of a uh, Royce with no clothes on. And I think that's one of the reasons I end up having eye surgery because of the, the damage uh, it did to my, my well, right. I'm seeing such a sight. I got to tell you, I mean, both of the retinas in my mind's eye are blown out right now from that <laughs> image. I got to tell you. What, what's a little nudity between friends? <laughs> There's a, but that wasn't a little nudity. Let me just no, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, little, uh, it was little a lot being of... a very figurative term. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, the show's off the rails. We're going to come back and talk more about uh, Kenta Maeda going to the Tigers. What else is going on in the hot stove league? We're going to get uh, Roy's special news story that I'm not sure I've heard. I thought I had heard all the Roy Smalley stories, so I'm looking forward to that. Just want to let you know we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Uh, we also want we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Football, eating chili, and cool, crisp air. you got to love fall, and it gets better. Aquarius has extended their Kinetico fall blowout sale to November 18th. That means 25% off the world's most efficient water treatment system. Enjoy spotless dishes, shiny fixtures, and purified drinking water. As your independent authorized Kinetico dealer, Aquarius is here to make your water worries go away. Enjoy 25% off and schedule your free water analysis today at KineticoMN.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. And we'd also like to, to thank All Energy Solar. All Energy Solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project from design to installation and everything in between, whether you're talking about home, office, or both. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. Once again, Glicks Saturday night, 930 Don Mitchell, Jerry Holt, my band. It'll be a blast. Come on out if you can. So, uh, Kenta Maeda going to Detroit. I figured Kenta was going to leave. I didn't know what he'd be looking for. I guess this makes sense. The Tigers have a certain amount of young talent. Uh, they need more pitching and he knows the division. He obviously didn't mind living in the Midwest. Lavelle, what do you think of this deal? I think it's great for Kenta. Um, you know, I think, uh, he knows the hitters in the division. Uh, he's comfortable with the American league now and he's got a brand new elbow. You know, uh, I think it. I think he came when he came back this past season. I think he had a little issue in May that set him back, but he pitched rather effectively down the stretch. I remember back-to-back -back games against the White Sox and the Reds, I believe, where he like struck out eight, went seven innings in one outing, went five in the other, struck out eight eight batters both times, and really looked like everything was locked in. His command, his control, his repertoire. I noticed that he was using his fastball more this year than he did. 
2022 and 2021. Well, I'm sorry, 2021 and 2020 because he didn't pitch 2022. I don't think he did. Um, so obviously he got more comfortable throwing that pitch. So he worked on the sweeper as well. You know, and we saw pitching acumen. We saw pitching savvy uh, from him. That will serve him well going forward. So I have no doubts that he could be an effective guy. I don't know what his workload could be going forward, but he'll he'll help out that pitching staff. He'll provide some stability for a while. What do you think, Roy? Well, I think it could go either way. And, and as I watched uh, Maeda and and uh, you know what you're saying is is correct, Lavelle. I mean, he did pitch pretty well down the stretch after that early May uh, injury set him back a little bit. Pitched pretty well, but here's what I saw: I saw um, a lot of uh, his fastball not being located as as well. And if he threw it in the middle of the plate, uh, <clears throat> they hit it out of the ballpark. And I saw that. His slider and his split finger, which are his bread and butter pitches, started coming back. Uh, the, the, the snap got a little bit better on on both of them, but he threw a lot of them in the middle of the plate, and they got hit out of the ballpark. And uh, you know the games that he did have that were that were really good, he got. It was just one of those things where you know sometimes pitchers, oftentimes pitchers get away with a cookie in the middle of the zone, whatever the pitch is. Guys foul it back, or they've got a brain cramp and they take it, or whatever it is. And a lot of the games that he pitched well, I thought, man, did he get away with a lot of a lot of stuff there. So it could go either way in my mind. He, another year away from that, you know, the big surgeries that he had, you know, the double double surgery. Maybe he's bionic now. Maybe you know, it, just last year it was maybe. The scenario is it was remarkable how well he pitched being that close to recovery from this surgery. And next year he's going to, he's going to be phenomenal. Um, or it could be that because his slider and split finger are best when they're below or just outside the, the blow in the case of the splitter and outside down and away in case of slider, it could be that, he just throw, he doesn't have enough velocity uh, to get away with how many of those sliders and split finger strikes are going to get hit. And what happens is, you know, he'll walk some more guys now because he has to be careful. And you know, if guys lay off balls that you know the slider and split that are not, you know, in the strike zone, he's going to end up having to throw something in the middle of the plate with two guys on, you know, enough time. So. I don't know which way it's going to go. I hope the best for him. For the other side of the coin, I, you know, the twins, I, I'm okay with the twins letting him go. Well, he turns 36 in April. And right. the, the standard regression is going to be, you know, threatening him at that point. So it just depends on how, how, uh, how much sharper he can get following surgery. I mean, they did both procedures. They did the internal brace and the ligament replacement. So he basically has a new elbow. That's the same thing they had with, they did with Chris Paddock too. And Paddock believes his elbow has basically been replaced. So maybe that will allow him to be effective for a year or two more, but definitely at his age, there's cause for concern. You totally understand why the twins moved on from him. 
Yep, no doubt. Uh, more breaking news as we're doing this show on Wednesday morning, late Wednesday morning. Dodgers are hiring Nelson Cruz, who's retired as a player, to join the organization as an advisor. He's going to do a lot of uh, uh, work for the Dodgers in Latin America. Um, just, I, I don't have much of a reaction. Other than it's good to have Nelson still in baseball. I figured he'd do something in some way. Uh, Roy, your thoughts? Really smart by the Dodgers. Really, really smart. You can't get any uh, better respected uh, guy in um, in the game, and especially in Latin America. I mean, it, he's got to be, you know, demigod status in um, in Latin America. And I think if they use him well down there, and uh, I think I think it's a great, very smart move. I think that the Twins should be the team that should be hiring him as an advisor. Um, but, you know, as I wrote last week, they're streamlining their, their scouting department and, and letting go people who have been there for like 29, 30 years and done some good things for them. Um, if you also remember, I think Nelson was the general ma- general manager for the Dominican Republic team at the last World Baseball Classic. So obviously there's something going on in the head of his about a post-baseball career. And it could end up being, you know, an in front office leadership role. So. I I think it's really neat that he's going to get, you know, that ty- have that type of perspective from being an advisor uh, to the Latin American program there, but it could also open up other doors for him. So it's, I think Nelson Cruz around the game is a good thing. So good luck to him in this endeavor. Lavelle, tell me more about the, uh, the, the twins streamlining their scouting department. Uh, any names that the average fan might know being, being let go. Yeah. Well, I mentioned, uh, I, I mentioned, uh, Bill Milos, uh, Mm-hmm. And Sunday's column, and Bill's been there like 29 years, and they've used him. In a, uh, he's been like a national cross checker. He's been an area scout. Uh, most recently, they had him scout independent ball, and you know that's a thankless job trying to you know find independent ball. Because here's the deal: when at the lower levels of farm systems, when guys get injured or you know get knocked out and they run low on numbers, they have the independent scout guy find a couple guys to fill in. So. Um, he did that. Like there's like three guys in the twin system, uh, Blaine Gabbert's nephew. Um, there's a six, eight first baseman. There's a third pitcher. Uh, Wharf is his last name. W a W H O R F F. Um, they all were at it like within the last year. <laughs> they have all like done decently. Um, especially apparently the Wharf kids got a shot to make it. Uh, Milo said, but he is, you know, he's been a scout scout, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's beaten the bushes. He's uh, been to showcases. He's had to talk. He had to talk to Nick Anderson's parole officer after Nick got in trouble for hitting the guy in the head with a baseball bat, and to, just to make sure he it was safe to recommend him to the Twins. And as we know, Nick Anderson is now a good reliever in Major League Baseball. He never he never got called up by the Twins, but he got traded to a couple other organizations where he's thrived. So um, I just think it's like that's the guy you always keep around and find a way to have him have input. Um, but, you know, I was told that, you know, the Twins apparently have more scouts in their payroll than a lot of other teams. And other teams have slimmed down their their scouting departments. Of course, that means, you know, more of a uh, video analytic approach to, you know, scout players, which can be uh, disappointing. But uh, they're moving in that direction now. And they decided to part ways with Milos. And it happened suddenly, too, because, you know, a lot of times these budgets are put in place in October for the next season. Uh, but the Milos thing just came down like two weeks ago. So uh, something's happened over there where they had to uh, address the situation sooner than later. And, and it's disappointing. 
And do you think this is stems at all from uh, losing the TV money from Bally's? It could be. It could be uh, that could be hitting the organization across the board. You know, we already know the payrolls is going to flatten out, if not decrease. And uh, they may be looking at other areas where um, the TV money would, would have been more, more feasible for them to maintain the status quo, quo, but it's not there. So we should be hearing about that. Actually, if you want to look ahead at a couple of things in the next month, there should be some uh, finality on what the twins broadcast situation is going to be next year and there should be some finality on who's going to be the tv broadcaster next year as well those things are supposed to be in the works here any chance the twins bring the broadcast in house is that doable i think there is there is a chance of that um you know there's been a lot of rumors that, that Corey provost would the word simulcast came up where um they would use the same crew to do tv and it would cross over to radio or vice versa um that's definitely uh, possible. Baseball may package a bunch of these uh, teams that have been affected by Diamond Sports into one, you know, pay one fee and watch all these teams type deal, too. And they may allow for some a la carte purchasing as well. So things kind of flew it, but it sounds like there's going to be some resolution in the direction they're going to go here. Okay. I promised uh, Roy music story. I think we're going to save it for next week. That's that's your big tease. So you listen next week. Roy has a really cool story to tell us for this week. I want to wrap up this show by getting a final thought. And, of course, on this show, we don't limit it to baseball. It can be baseball, music, movies, pop culture, whatever you like. Um, does Roy or either Roy or Lavelle, are you ready to chime in or should I, should I hit you with something first? Whatever you want. I got, I've got one, one musical thought. Well, uh, go ahead, Roy. Start whatever you want. Well, Lavelle, I don't know if, if you and I ever talked about this, but uh, back when was it last February, Kenny Wayne Shepherd was at Mystic Lake and you said you were going. Right. Uh, did you go to that? Uh, I looked for you. I, I ended up taking my, my son, sons-in-law to, um, to, uh, that, uh, to that show, which was phenomenal. If you were there, you know how phenomenal it was. Um, um, I did and, not. And I looked, I looked for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I did not make that one, but I just oh, purchased within the last three weeks tickets to his next appearance in town, which is, I believe is next April. So he's coming back. Right. There's one song that he played. I, it was, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen. I mean, he's, he's mesmerizing. We, we were about four rows back, right in the, right in the center. And it was, he's got a great band. The bass player is it's awesome. Just you can watch the bass player the, the whole night if it if it weren't for the fact that Kenny Wayne Shepherd is so doggone good. But uh, and <clears throat> I saw you know I'm I'm not a guitar player like you are, Jim. But I saw some guitar and heard guitar playing that you know just absolutely floored me. And and so anyway, uh, really got a kick out of that. But anyway, he played a he was promoting a. a um, uh, I think it was uh, some anniversary, 25th, 20th anniversary of his first album that uh, blew on uh, the blue on black album. And he played, so he played a number of songs and some from that album and some different ones. He played a version of uh, Bob Dylan's Ballad of a Thin Man. And I don't know if you say that's a, that's a, you know, do you Mr. Jones yep. uh, Dylan song. And it is phenomenal. I, I went home and downloaded that one, and I fire that on. Like a lot of times when I'm working out and, uh, and downstairs and, and at my house, and and uh, it is 
it is really, really good. I, of course, I love that. I love Dylan's version of that. It's one of his, it's one of his most iconic songs. But I'll tell you what, Kenny Wayne Shepherd's version is cool as hell. Laval, uh, I have a baseball thought. The thought All is right. this. Where's the Byron Buxton news? This is about the time of year we're supposed to Buxton was supposed to fly to the Twin Cities and have his knee checked out and hopefully get cleared for baseball activities for the rest of the offseason, which to me is a significant development for the 2024 season. And I hope that the Twins are transparent about this and send out some signals about what's going on here in the next week or so. When we'd have, we would have something very juicy to discuss uh, at that time. But this is about the time that um, they wanted to take a look at him to see what he could do. He was going to work out for him and they're going to test the knee out. And then they're going to go, okay, go ahead. You have a, go have a normal, normal off season, which I think would be the, the one thing twins fans would love to hear that Buxton's back to normal. Um, and the next step would be for him to show up at spring training and, and have a flawless spring training, but that cannot happen until he gets cleared to practice. And, uh, I think we should be anticipating that announcement coming up pretty soon. All right. I uh, vacationed in the Caribbean, went to Aruba. We went on an excursion and our guide was a catcher for the Dominican Republic. And uh, then we went to Curacao and they were talking about Andrew Jones and there were baseball diamonds all over the islands. That was my uh, reminder that baseball isn't limited to uh, just the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico uh, and even you know, even Venezuela, uh, baseball is played throughout the, uh, the Caribbean and it was cool to see. You could have brought That's back a left-handed starter. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. I lost my TV. Deal. I can't afford to, to pay anybody anymore. <laughs> there you go. All right. Next week, we're gonna have Roy's musical story. Uh, we will update you on hot stove news. Maybe we'll talk a little more about what's going on league-wide, including where Otani might land. Uh, for now, thanks for listening to TalkDork.com. We do appreciate it. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton, and we'll talk to you next week.